0: Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. As I've been dwelling on what it means to use it or lose it, I've been so mindful that we have to own our own story in the process of the journey of following Jesus. That nobody else can own it for ourselves. That it's too easy in this day and age to turn around and find something to blame, a reason for why things are the way that they are. And I understand in that there are circumstances and situations that are far out of our control. But we can still control the response that we give in situations and circumstances. That we can take what God has given us and learn to invest those gifts, the attention, the abilities, the time, the finances, all these things that we have in our hands to use, we get to use. And we can use them for an eternal purpose or we cannot. You know, my nine-year-old son, Liam, has an amazing gift. He is a gifted negotiator. It's a gift that he's honed over many years of learning how his father ticks. I believe that my son, Liam, probably understands me more than I understand myself. Because he's learned over the years that if he wants something that's outside of the ordinary, he knows that he all he needs to do is find the right way to negotiate its reality. And in the past, it's been, hey, Dad, I would love this. And so what do I need to do to get it? Well, son, you need to sweep the yard. You need to hose down the walls. You need to weed the garden. I, wouldn't really, I would rarely get him to weed the garden. That was a job that he hated. And so he'd do these jobs and the payoff was he'd often get what he wanted, but often he'd have to go back time and time again to get what he wanted. You'd have to, hey son, you're gonna have to clean the car for the next four weeks to get what you want. That is a significant thing that you want and you're not gonna get that easily. And I remember last year, end of last year, towards the end of last year, he came to me and said, Dad, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for a Nintendo Switch. Now, he's never asked for something quite so expensive before. He was hoping that he'd gotten in ahead of time with the Christmas request, that that could be his Christmas gift. And I looked at him and laughed because I didn't have the budget for that. So we negotiated. He said, what if I save up half of the amount? Will you meet me halfway? Halfway. Now that's a significant amount for a nine-year-old son to start negotiating. And we had no idea how he was gonna do it. That was going to involve weeding the garden time and time and time again. So I reckon I had maybe 10 years for him to earn it. <laughs> but just as we start negotiating, he starts This idea idea that containers for change had just come in and he realised that these things, this plastic container without a lid was now worth something. It was worth 10 cents. And if he hustled enough, if he raided enough, if he begged enough of the family friends that he reckoned he could get enough of these to get half a Nintendo Switch. And so we cut a deal. I said, you get halfway, I'll meet you halfway. It was really good. He hustled, he, he worked hard. I remember the end of last year, we went into Containers for Change with our big bag. It was overflowing with these flipping plastic things. And we loaded out on the bench and it's huge. It was a huge amount. I thought, well done, son. It counts it up, tallies it up. We go into the office to get the tally. He had just earned for himself $9.70. <laughs> Now, I was thinking this was the moment where I'll be getting down on his level to say, son, sometimes you just have to work hard at things. It's okay, we're gonna get there. It might take five years. But you know what? He grabbed that little receipt and he pointed it at me and he said, see, I can do it. And he went back to hustling. You wouldn't believe how many times I've been to Containers for Change. You wouldn't believe how many bottles have leaked in my car because of this little man hustling to get his Nintendo Switch. See, he invested, at the very least, my son invested his effort. He invested his attention. He invested his focus. He invested his desires in a way to see his future created. A couple of weeks ago, we'd just taken the last bunch of bottles. We weren't quite there, not far off. We had our last basketball game for the season. Get in the car and I thought, you know what? I want to surprise him. We went to EB Games and I told him, we're just going to look at Nintendo Switches. We're not going to buy any. That's a favourite pastime for nine-year-olds, I found out. They just love looking. And we go in there and as we're there, I said, why don't you go up and tell the store manager the story? Tell him what you've been doing. Tell him what you've been investing in. And so he's there telling the store manager this whole story and he says, I think I've gone like 50 times and I'm nearly there, I'm not quite there. Hopefully I'll get there next month. And just as we're there, I make the sign to the manager and I say, pull that switch. That he had earned this. Now thankfully I own about 51% of it, so I have to I don't have to negotiate the use of it. And I can still tell him you can't play it all the time, son, because daddy still owns 51%. But the point is, he invested himself to get there. Can't wait till he wants a car. You know, this idea of taking ownership of using what we have, otherwise we lose it. I'm so mindful of his attention in that time. He didn't lose attention on this thing, this desire to invest himself to get his goal. He didn't lose it at any point. Now I'm mindful that Jesus often talked about this concept of ownership throughout Scripture. It was such a prevalent thought with Jesus Himself that He would tell stories to illustrate But stories that were called parables in the Scriptures, parables are things that, stories of earthly accounts with a eternal perspective. And multiple times Jesus would tell different parables to often get to a similar thought and point that we are gifted things by God and we're called to invest it. And in investing, we're actually honouring God and doing what we're called to do. The parable that jumps out to me in particular comes out of Luke 19 12. Jesus is preparing to go to Jerusalem for the last time. Literally, he is about to enter Jerusalem. He's there on the prefaces of entering Jerusalem, and he is literally heading towards his own crucifixion. And so, in this moment, Jesus, knowing what lies ahead in the next week, he is preparing his followers with some of the core teachings of the kingdom of God. He's just seen a miracle along the way. A man has been healed and set free and he's coming into Jerusalem and he tells them a parable, an earthly story with an eternal perspective. And this earthly story starts off with Jesus saying in Luke nineteen twelve, He said a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before He left, He called together 10 of His servants and divided among them, 10 pounds of silver saying, Invest this for me while I'm gone. You know that translation there, it says 10 pounds of silver. In the original uh, Aramaic, in the original Greek, the word used there was literally a word that was meant to denote three months' worth of salary. So imagine being called together by your boss. Your boss is saying, Hey, good news, I'm heading off. Don't know when I'll be back. But I'm going to pay you in advance three months salary in a lump sum right here. You're getting it right now in your hand. But I want you to do something with it. I'm going into my storehouse and I'm taking out of my storehouse before you've earned anything. I'm giving you in advance three months of what belongs to you. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants, divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. Different translations say it differently. In the NIV, it says, put this money to work until I come back. In the ESV, English Standard Version, it says, engage in business until I come back. But my favourite, since we're on the thought of the old King James with the thee, thy, thou's, a translation that was originally done in the 1500s, says this, occupy till I come. That's a powerful word, occupy. Occupy means to make a stand. It means to make your presence felt. It means to lock in. It means to be not easily moved from an atmosphere and environment to place. So the parable goes on that the nobleman goes to this distant land and he is crowned king. Even though... Many of the followers back home sent a delegation to say, We don't want this man as king. And he comes back into his homeland now as king. And one of his first orders of business is to call the ten servants together to give an account of what they've done with the investment he's made into them. And in that, one of the servants comes forward and says, Hey, you gave me roughly three months' salary. And Through investment, through working it, through not sitting on it, through using it, I was able to times that by 10. I was able to multiply that 10 times. You trusted me with this and I multiplied it 10 times. I used the gifts that you've given me. I used what you entrusted me with and I multiplied it 10 times. And it says that the King was so happy. He said, well done, good and faithful servant be been faithful with the little things. Now I can entrust you with much. I'm now gonna put you in charge of 10 of my cities. It's interesting that the reward in this parable is rulership. It's interesting that Jesus in telling this story is showing us that if we invest the godly resources that He puts into our lives, that it actually gives us the ability to rule over life and not have life rule over us. So He goes on to say, the next servant comes in, head held high. I took what you gave me, King, and I invested it and I multiplied it five times. Now we think in our modern day culture that that would look down upon, that that is second best, but it's not because the King had the exact same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the small things. Now I can entrust you with much. I'm now gonna put you over five cities. Again, the reward is rulership over life, not having life rule over you. And so the next servant comes in. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting more and more and more. But this servant comes in a little bit downcast, shuffling their feet. They're holding in their hand a handkerchief. And in this handkerchief, this person has wrapped the original gift given, three months salary. King says, why are you bringing me back simply what I gave you? And the servant says, oh, I knew I knew you were a difficult man. I knew that you expected to harvest on this, and I was so caught up in my fear that I wrapped it in a handkerchief. and I sat it at home, did nothing with it. And in the parable, the king takes that that he invested in that servant and gives it to another. The parable goes on to say that he dealt with all those that chose not to follow him. Because the heart of God is for us to take what He's invested in us to invest it for His purposes. Sometimes the stories that Jesus told are hard-hitting. And they've right to be because He's often changing us in the moment. Occupy till I come. Be unmovable, do not be torn down. Take hold of every opportunity to invest of yourself to make a difference that has an eternal purpose. Charles Spurgeon, since we're going for the old day things, pastored an amazing church, the Metropolitan Tabernacle, the 1800s in London, a church that knew how to raise up young leaders and plant churches all throughout the known world at the time. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, It is always so, the gracious and faithful obtains more grace and more means of usefulness, while the unfaithful sinks lower and lower and grows worse and worse. We must either make progress or else lose what we have attained. I'll say that again. We must either make progress or else lose what we have attained. There is no such thing as standing still. was true in the 1800s. How true is it today? One of his contemporaries, R.D. Hitchcock, a well-known Bible teacher, said this, having is something quite other than mere passive possession. Having, real having, means an eager, instant, active possession. Having means using. Anything not used is already the same as lost. I'm going to say that again. Anything not used is already the same as lost. But the person, the servant was scared. He, he wrapped the three month salary in a handkerchief. He was so scared to use it. He valued his master so much that he didn't wanna lose it. So he put it on his bedside table so he could protect it and not lose it. But he ended up losing it because he didn't use it. It will be lost by and by, R.D. Hitchcock goes on to say, in this sense of having, the more we have, the more we get. The less we have, the less we get. We get to own our own story. God has entrusted to each and every one of us gifts, abilities. I would even say God has entrusted to us attention. In a culture where our attention is pinged from here to here to here to here to here. Do you know how much of a gift your attention is? so much so that it can cause a nine-year-old boy to go around scranging up plastic bottles. Your focus matters and you get to invest it in something or nothing. Because the whole idea that Jesus is unpacking is that there's no such thing as standing still. Our gifts, our attention, our finances will find something to be sucked up with if we don't use them if we're not intentional, if we don't capture the motivation behind these things that we have, my attention, my effort, my energy, my ability, my gifts, my money will be captured by something if I do not rein it in and direct it for a purpose that goes beyond myself. And the challenge that Jesus gives each and every one of those that would call themselves a follower of Jesus is that you take what you have And you invest it. Doesn't give us any strategy in that parable of what to invest in or how to invest. There's no talk about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. There's no talk about the share markets or there's no talk about real estate. I guess the idea is if you just set your heart on doing something with it, you will multiply it. I'm not gonna tell you what's better to invest in, but do something. Something is better than nothing. And when you find something to do and you do it with all your heart, you become good at it. And so you work what you're good at until it gets a return for you. We do get to use it or lose it. Gifts don't stay static. So mindful of the first computer I got to use in year two. I remember in year two when computers came into classrooms. I remember computers came into classrooms for the first time. I was there in the changeover. And in year two, there was this computer in the back of the class that was flipping huge. And all you could do was basic Word document, but it had a chess game and we got to play chess on it whenever we wanted. If all I had done through my schooling was keep up to date on how to use that one computer, how behind would I be today? You gotta invest what you have to see it grow and keep up to date. We get to own our own story. We get to run with the gifts that God has given us, even in the midst of difficulties and hardship. So how can we own our own story? What can we do? Some thoughts that I would love to submit to you. First off, I would say invest for the right reasons. Risk for reward for the right reasons. So it comes out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 11. I want you to listen to this. Talking about the heart of Jesus, the one who told this parable to begin with. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. I've got to say that again, because that goes so against the culture that we live in. Do you know how confronting the Scriptures really are to the culture we find ourselves in? And the reality is that we have to work the culture of the Kingdom of God to see it influence the cultures that we find ourselves in. That if we don't use it, we lose it. That it's possible to be a follower of Jesus and to be passionate here in this setting, whether at home or in this meeting, to worship God with everything we have and then go straight back into our environments and sink to the lowest common denominator without an investment in what God's given us to work with. To listen to this about the culture of God or the Kingdom of God. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 11, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus For this reason, God highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God, the Father. Invest for the right reasons. Jesus, who is God, emptied Himself of all things so that He could serve people. He could serve us so that He by His grace and even today by His Spirit could invest in you and I so that we could be all that God created us to be. That without Jesus investing of Himself, none of us would have any chance at anything apart from His grace. So how do we own our own story? How do we use it and not lose it? We've got to invest for the right reasons. Risk it to reward. And here's how we risk it. We risk it by risking in people, by choosing to love people, by choosing to serve people, by choosing to honour people. Here's what that means. Invest in people, not to get from them, but to unlock potential and empower them. If you are an parent, invest in your child. If you're not, who will? Their potential is locked up in your willingness to give of yourself and lay down yourself so that they can rise up to be who they're born to be. Your children are not called to be a copy of you, even though they may look like you. They're called to leapfrog you. They're called to take you and stand on your shoulders so that they can reach further than you could ever reach. I love nothing more than imagining the future of my three children and imagining them doing the greatest things possible and being their greatest cheerleader. Hopefully because I invested in them and you won't know if I've done a good job until they're adults. They might be polite, they might jump around. You might see them not scream at each other at church but surely they do scream at each other at home. But that investment, I'm laying it down because I want to see a return. Hopefully one of them becomes a professional sportsman and pays for a new house for us. Invest for the right reasons. Sorry, Lord. If you are married, invest in your spouse because you don't want anybody else to. You have that honour. If you are single, invest in your core relationships because you deserve community. If you are a follower of Jesus, Invest in helping others to encounter God for themselves and to grow in their faith. We all have something to invest in. Risk it to reward. Some other thoughts, if I can submit them to you. And this, I'm just submitting. I'm giving you advice on how to invest. Not a financial advisor, but I am a spiritual advisor. Invest intentionally. Compound your effort. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says this, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. You know, you've received a gift from God. You've received multiple gifts from God. There's something about you that is unreplaceable. You are literally unreplaceable in the kingdom of God. Sure, somebody can come in and maybe do something physically that you may have been doing, I appreciate the guys that were out there with the umbrellas. But their gift wasn't holding an umbrella, their gift was hospitality. The gift was hospitality. We need more people practising their gift of hospitality and using that gift to invest in the lives of others. We need more people who are gonna buck the trend of disengagement and choose to open their home to host people so that they would feel loved and in community. We need more people operating out of their gift of encouragement who sever and cut off discouragement wherever they find it. Who build up whenever they hear words that are tearing down and say, I will not utter a word that tears somebody down. Instead, I will choose whatever I have to build people up. We need more people with the gift of encouragement, investing it in the lives of others. We need more people with the gift of faith, That when we are going through the trials and tribulations of a fallen world, which unfortunately we do, that we have somebody with the gift of faith investing in us saying that God will make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And He will shift and move through this because He works all things towards good for those who love Him. And if you allow me to submit a final thought, diversify your focus. How to own your story, diversify your focus. I know that's a common one in financial management that you should diversify. The idea of diversifying means that you are not fixated on any one thing. If you're into gold, bullion, don't just be in gold, bullion, spread it around. Great. The thought spiritually is diversify your focus. It comes to me out of Romans 14, 17. It says this, so we capture this scripture partway through a conversation that Paul's having with his church in Rome a deep conversation. He says there in this snippet, for the Kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, they had been raging with a discussion that is serving God about observing certain spiritual things or about following certain practices or about fulfilling certain obligations. And Much of the early church was a wrestle to see what was going to carry over and what should stay or what was an example of what was to come or how should we live now? And the idea is that people in faith would become fixated, sometimes on things that were so limiting, not important, would make no difference to the transformation of somebody's life. They were in some ways, in reality, a constraining influence on the lives of others to the point where you can't eat certain foods and you can't drink certain drink. And if you do, you're separated from the love of God. And Paul challenges that. He says the Kingdom of God is not built up on these things. Don't fixate yourself on something so limiting. Invest in something bigger. Here's what you should invest in. Because if you don't use it, you will lose it. Invest in righteousness. Righteousness means to live in right standing with God. Every single person who is a follower of Jesus today, who has encountered the love of God, who has repented of their sin, who has chosen to follow Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, you are in right standing with God, even if you don't feel the best. Because you have made a transaction with heaven where the blood of Christ has cleansed you completely. And righteousness is something you can invest in. That at any moment, you can pause and say, Lord God, can I just be right with You? What do I need to unpack? See, you're meant to be righteous so that you can invest righteousness in the lives of others. You can help others be right with God too. It's says righteousness, the kingdom of God isn't food or drink. It isn't something so limiting. Diversify your focus. Make it bigger. Make it bigger. Make it righteousness. Make it peace. I'm fixated on what peace literally means in the Kingdom of God. So it doesn't mean what the world means. The world means it to be something that we compromise in. That peace is simply that you have a disagreement with somebody and you choose to just keep the peace, which literally means I will avoid conflict at all costs. That is not what peace means in the Kingdom of God. Peace in the Kingdom of God is a military term that means God by His will and love for us has conquered the enemy has crushed the enemy under the foot of the cross. And we get to enter into the victory that He has purchased. The peace of God is everything as it should be in the heart of God. Diversify your focus, make it the peace of God. What an amazing thing to be in a situation and circumstance and recognise that this situation and circumstance is lacking the peace of God. And to then choose to invest yourself in prayer and support and encouragement to see the peace of God come into any situation and circumstance, even the worst of the worst. Diversify your focus. Diversify your focus for joy, righteousness, peace and joy. I understand how challenging that is because all we hear about is happiness. Are you happy? My happiness. You know that happiness is fleeting. Happiness is so dependent, so dependent on everything going the way that we want or expect, that it is unrealistic to take hold of. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you should not be happy. I'm just saying there's a higher way to live and that's from joy. See, joy is a choice. Joy means that we literally choose in focus and investment Gifts, abilities, opportunities, attention. To invest in the good things that God has entrusted us with and to celebrate that. That we get to celebrate even in hardship the good things that God has given us. And if we learn how to shift our focus, diversify our focus, we don't become so trapped in the mundane and the lost and the broken that we can start to appreciate what God has entrusted us with. That if you're away working and slaving your guts out at work and you hate every minute and you feel like you're in exile from your call, but you get to come home and be with your children, then celebrate the joy of that. That if right now you are slaving away for an income and a job you don't like, but you are saving for a future, and you can see a home down the track, celebrate that. See, we get to celebrate what we choose. So diversify your focus and you can invest yourself. You would be surprised how mighty your perseverance can be when God's grace takes hold of you. You are called to own your story. As we bring this to a close, this all works through a transaction of grace with God. Grace literally means unmerited favour, something we did not earn, something we do not deserve, but something that is given to us freely and willingly by God in Jesus. Grace also means enabling power. This twofold meaning of grace. All of this works because of the grace of God. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.